A popular outcast production. Why the fuck do you keep doing this? Hello, this is the Portable Power Podcast, episode 44. We are recording on September the 27th, 2015, for release on October 1st. Uh, This is the only Portable Games Podcast, the only Portable Games Podcast, where at any given time, one of our broadcasters is recording completely nude. That was the sound. You don't know who. That was one of our erections, but you don't one know which them. one yet. It turns out podcasting is the uh, is the great um, aphrodisiac. <laughs> so, uh, Kevin, how are you doing tonight? It's uh, I'm a little bit chilly, but other than that, um, sure. You know, I mean, it's fall, so it's it's weather that I enjoy. Yeah. And what are you drinking this evening? Tonight I'm drinking a by New Belgium from Fort Collins, Colorado. Their Ranger India Pale Ale. Oh. Yeah, New Belgium is um, a company that uh, I, I recently discovered, and I've been finding beers by them here and there. And the ones that I've had so far, I've enjoyed. So I'm steadily working through the ones that I can find, since you know it is from Colorado to Pennsylvania, which right. means yeah. I don't get. Amazing selection, but the ones I've had have been good. I've had several of theirs, and they're not bad. They're they're flagship ales. the The fat tire I find to be underwhelming. Likewise, but, um, yeah. Um, they have a sour right now. I've seen it at the store. It's like fourteen bucks for a twenty two ounce. So I haven't purchased it yet, but I really want to try it. Good deal. So, Kevin, what games have you been playing that aren't for the podcast? The Legend of Zelda: Shadow of Night. Ooh. Yeah, I've uh I'm probably about 12 hours in at this point. Oh, maybe wow. not quite that long, maybe more like 10 hours. And I have yet to beat the first dungeon. Wow. <laughs> because it's really ungodly hard. Like um Emrys, you didn't play Zelda 2, did you? No. Did you mark? Well, you did a little bit. I've I've played through at least the first dungeon. Okay, did you get to Death Mountain in that game at all? Oh, no, no. Okay. No, I mean, that's not even close to the end of the game. That's, like, maybe a third of the way through the game. But in the original Zelda 2, um, you go to Death Mountain after you beat the second temple, and you have to find the hammer there, and it's widely regarded as one of the worst examples of, like, needless sudden difficulty spikes... Oh. Um, in fact, it's where a lot of people give up on Zelda 2. Um, hmm. And Shadow of Night, the um, Zelda 2 homebrew, uh, does a very similar thing, but before you even beat the first temple. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. So, yeah, the, the game starts out, you have three heart containers instead of four, like you get in the original Zelda 2. Three magic containers instead of four. Um, then you get to the first temple... Um, you get about halfway through that, and then you can't progress any further without um, getting a certain item that you have to find somewhere in this giant, like, long trek through what's essentially the same as Death Mountain, but the enemies hit you way harder. And yeah. you don't have as many hit points. So when you say you're 12 hours into it, you mean not, you don't mean 12 hours of progress. No, I mean I'm dying a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's really hard. So, was this like a homebrew game designed to abuse Zelda fans? Is that pretty much the... <laughs> well, I always liked how difficult Zelda 2 was, and I always wanted there to be a sequel to that style, um, and then there there never was. Um, so, I was really excited, but yeah, this this is borderline abusive. Uh, <laughs> the, other, the other problem with it is um, 
I like the idea that, uh, you know, the entire world's been, like, cast over in shadow, and Ganon's minions are using that to be able to, like, invade towns, because, like, you aren't safe just because you're in a town in this game. Like, there are monsters all through it, and you have to fight while you're, you know, talking to villagers and stuff. Um, But the one thing that they do that I don't like that they add into the, for the whole mood thing, is the color palette is enough to make you go blind. Like, it's very difficult to see. Um, and they do that because of... It's dark, it, it, right? Yeah, it's dark, um, which, you know, is good for creating mood, but not so good for uh, playing for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Like, I usually have a bit of a headache when I'm finished, which, you know, I usually get a game over in about half an hour. But yeah, other, other, otherwise I like it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Cool. And finally, finally, Kevin, one last question. What is the condition of your pants right now? Condition of my pants right now is they are made of all natural materials. <laughs> As they should be. The plot thickens. <laughs> yes. Mark, how are you? I am well, thank you. Great. What are you drinking? Tonight I have um, Stone's Delicious IPA. This is an IPA that um, somehow, through the magic of uh, brewing, they remove the gluten from the beer like during the process rather than creating a beer from uh, gluten-free sources. Okay. It's a pretty interesting process. I'm not going to read this gigantic paragraph on the back of the bottle, but yes, I'm drinking a gluten-free IPA, 7.7% alcohol, and I'm a little sleepy. <laughs> so it ta- it tastes okay? No, it's great. Yeah. It's it's more um citrusy hops. Is there anything uh in particular that made you decide to try a gluten-free beer? Cuz I've always been afraid to try them. Um from the place that I get my beer, I am running out of beers that I haven't had on the show. Uh, that was my motivation. Good motivation. I understand that gluten-free beer is not that bad. Uh, it depends. Um, I find that the ones like this one where the, they remove the gluten are good. The ones that come from like sorghum. Oh. The ones that come from that are not very good. They taste like medicine. Gotcha. What are you playing that's not for the show? Um, oh gosh, this is going to be like the longest segment because I, I, I've been dabbling in quite a bit uh, this last month. Um, number one, first and, fun, for, first and foremost, I got this like massive video game haul from a friend of mine who was like, hey, selling all these games, would you like them? And so I'm like, yeah, I'll take a couple. And then I figure it out and it's like, oh, it's like $150. And I'm like, uh, I'll just take all of them for like almost $500. That's pretty awesome. The plan is to sell all the ones I don't want to recoup, to break even basically. Yeah. Um, and it's, it will happen. It's just a matter of time. But I mean, in that mix, I got like Super Metroid, Mario RPG, um, some stuff that's not as rare, like, uh, Mario 64. Um, I mean, Link to the Past was in there. GoldenEye was in there. A couple of games I already had, but, uh, it was pretty amazing bunch of games. I got 67 games. Whoa. Cool. And I'm keeping 25. Nice. I've also been playing Super Mario Maker on Wii U, and that has been surprisingly addictive. I, I can't get enough. You know, I, I didn't even want this game. Yeah. And then um, I saw a couple videos. And I'm like, you know what? I, I can see myself playing these levels, but I don't think I would ever want to make any levels because I haven't had good experience with that in other games before. So, um, just so happened that, and I'm going to give a little shout out here to Rob Roberts of Orange Lounge Radio. It's a video game podcast that records right here in Sacramento. And uh, Rob, the host, had accidentally purchased two copies. So he sold me a copy for super cheap and I took it home and I completely the opposite of what I thought I was going to do. I am making levels all the time and I'm barely playing levels. Like I just am hopelessly addicted to it. Mostly I'll go online and I'll look up like NES or Super NES stages and I'll try to recreate them with the tool set in Super Mario Maker. And that has been a lot of fun. Um, Yesterday I made the first level of Donkey Kong Country 
uh, to the best of my ability. Okay. And um, uh, the first level of the 16-bit Aladdin. So <laughs> SNES or Sega Genesis, I think they were different. Um, the only thing I remember them being different is in Genesis, you could use his sword. In Super Nintendo, you could not. But um, the first level, I'm pretty sure, was about, about the same. Um, but I did use the Genesis map, if you, since you're asking. Yeah, that's a game that I've been watching um, a lot of videos online mm-hmm. of levels. It's certainly not for everybody. Like, okay, so this is what I forgot I wanted to say. Like, what it what it showed me, and it, it should be obvious to anyone, is that, like, <laughs> like Nintendo, and I'll just general, generalize, like, professional game designers, like, are, I have to give them credit, because any, like, 13-year-old moron can make this level where, like, okay, you have to step on these exact platforms, you have to do this exact thing throughout the level or you die. Like, anybody can make a hard level. It, it takes, like, talent to make a fun level. Yeah. And there are so few, um, honestly, fun levels uh, available to download. I have not found very many. It's yeah. mostly sadistic. Um, there's one level that's been making the rounds in, 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 in the news and stuff that, like, the only person to ever beat it was the guy who created it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think I saw a video of that one. Which is just, it's just insane. Is it like, the one where you have to, like, juggle items as you bounce yes. across a p- pool of lava? Yeah. From yeah, You have to, like, pick up a shell with Yoshi, like, spit it out, like, jump off of Yoshi, jump off the item he spit out, and, like... It's completely insane. And, I mean, the great thing about the game is you can't upload a course unless you have beaten it start to finish. Mm-hmm. Like, it, so it keeps the difficulty level down a little bit, but not so much. <laughs> like, I try to play on Expert, and I can't get past, like, two stages. It's insane. That's amazing. Um, Mark, it's important that you be specific now. Tell me, what is the condition of your pants? The condition of my pants is... Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. <laughs> uh, yeah, the question now is marinara or red sauce. I mean, marinara or white sauce. Anyway. Alfredo. Alfredo. Gosh. <laughs> Still jump-starting the brain after accidentally falling asleep. Nice and creamy. <laughs> um, what about you, Emerus? What are you drinking this evening? Just water. Just regular water. Lubricating. Mm, yeah. Yeah. What have you been playing? You know, I have been playing, it's not a game, it's very serious. I've been playing Dungeon Master, being the Dungeon Master Part 2, oh. The Ascension. No, I've been, I've been planning, making monsters, making characters, then erasing everything that I've written and writing it again because I did it wrong for like two weeks now. You don't mean that you're actively doing it. You mean you're like preparing to do it, sort yeah. of. Yeah. Well, awesome. like, like, um, it's a lot of preparation, and like mm-hmm. I have been trying to figure out the story and some stuff. So I'm doing it in like two weeks, two and a half weeks. So I have time, but you know, it's hard. <laughs> Question of the week. Yeah. What's the status of your pants? Well, Mark. I'm showing some skin. Oh. Some foreskin? <laughs> Get out of my head. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you this much. Not all the skin. Just some skin. Huh. Now, we didn't coordinate in advance. Could it be that we're all naked? It's 100% possible. Yeah. I would go so far to say that it is... 100% probable. <laughs> Anyone who's listened to this show more than once. It's just the clothes are so burdensome. Mm. <laughs> like, Kevin, I'm chilly, so I'm wearing a hoodie. I'll spoil oh. that for you. Well, then you're not completely in the nude. <laughs> well, this is a weird episode. Yeah, we haven't even done any reviews yet. <laughs> well, let's, let's, re- let's remedy that. Let's hear about um, Dear God.
So, The Deer God um, is a game for iOS as well as other platforms, that, but I'm reviewing the iOS version. It's developed by Synopse Studios and Crescent Moon Games, and it's $6.99 on the App Store. Um, so, The Deer God um, is a game about reincarnation. Uh, it's a pretty interesting idea. Uh, you start out as a hunter and shoot a deer after sunset, which is, at least in Pennsylvania, is illegal. I assume it's illegal in most other places as well. Um, so because you are an immoral person, well, okay, so you, you shoot this deer, and while you're preparing, like, while you're lining up the shot, you don't notice that wolves are sneaking up behind you, and as you were being eaten by wolves, you were also struck by lightning. So we'll call this a really bad day. <laughs> uh, so despite all this, you wake up. However, you are in front of an enormous um, deer-shaped god who tells you that, oh, because you're a bad person, you have to pay penance for your actions, and you are reincarnated as a fawn. So, from that point on, the game is a combination of, like, an endless runner, a platformer, with uh, some mild RPG elements, um, but that's really only in the sense that, like, the longer you last, um, the more your deer grows up and, like, it starts to grow antlers and stuff like that. Mm. Um, So, you run through what appears to be, like, randomly generated environments, um, because it never seemed to be the same each time that I played it, um, like, you start out in the same area, and as you go, like, you get quests from people. Like, I met an old man who needed me to find his monocle because he was blind without it, but if he's wearing a monocle, you have to assume he has one good eye still. So I don't know why he couldn't find it himself. Anyway, so, you know, you go through different habitats, such as, um, you know, forest, desert, um, canyons, uh, caves... All sorts of things like that. And because it's generated randomly, you never know really where you're going to land next, which is pretty cool, um, because it, it keeps the game from becoming stale. Like, you don't always know where you're going to end up. Um, as you run along, um, the speed and the agility of the, de- of the deer feels pretty good. Uh, like, it's not too fast, but you don't feel like you're just chugging along, which, you know, it, like... The handling, like, with the jumping and, you know, running around feels like I imagine controlling a deer would feel like. You have... Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a weird way to put it. I've ridden a deer before. What if you you've want? ever controlled a deer in real life, you'll be right at home here. Yes. So you have, you know, your health meter um, and a hunger meter, which keeps you moving because you have to keep finding food so that you don't die of starvation. And as you run through the environments, there are other animals that you come upon, like uh, foxes and bunnies that, like, eat food that you would eat otherwise, so you have to, like, kill them, even though, you know, they're harmless. And then every so often, you'll come upon the deer's mortal enemy, the porcupine. (laughs) Um, They're super aggressive for some reason. I never knew deer and porcupine to fight, but the ones in this game will um, aggressively pursue you and spine you to death if you don't kill them. So so the point of this game was that you killed an innocent creature. So for punishment, you are reincarnated as an innocent creature, forced to continue to kill innocent creatures? That seems to be the theme of it. I mean, presumably you don't have to kill them, like you can just run away. And okay. there may be some kind of uh, punishment for killing innocent creatures, but... Um, a lot of that, a lot of the way that is handled seems to be very arbitrary to me. I'm sure there's rhyme and reason to it, but it wasn't explained, and I've yet to discern a pattern. So, basically, you're trying to avoid dying. If you die and haven't been deemed worth, well, if you die and and uh, have done enough, I guess like you'll reincarnate as a fawn at your last at the last checkpoint. If you haven't done enough, you'll reincarnate as a different animal. I've reincarnated as both a porcupine and as a snake. Oh. But that's where um, the problems with the game really start to come out. Because the levels, you know, and by, by levels I mean randomly generated environments, um, 
are designed with the deer's mobility in mind. Mm. And the snake and the porcupine are not as agile. In fact, the porcupine can't even jump. So what that means is you basically reincarnate and then you have to starve to death because, you know, you get, you are stuck in an area that you can't get out of. And that is a pretty huge flaw for me because, I don't know, like, I'm pretty forgiving, but I really don't forgive a game just flat out wasting my time making me wait to starve to death. So you don't feel like it's a it's a design choice for the sake of the, the, the narrative, or, or... I like the idea that you reincarnate as, I guess, a quote-unquote lesser creature. Okay. Uh, like, th- I think that's a cool idea, but the execution of it was so horrible. Like, why hmm. would a porcupine not even be able to jump? Like, why would you have a creature in the game that is a playable character that you can go, like, two steps as before your progress is completely blocked? just by your own lack of mobility. Like, it's not something that's like, oh, well, you know, the Pokemon can't jump as high and I'm just not good enough to jump out of this area. No, like, you have walls that you can't get around. That The deer could easily get around because he has a double jump, whereas the porcupine has no jump at all. I guess the deer took his. So what prevents the player <laughs> from going, oh, crap, I'm, I'm the porcupine. I'm just going to instantly kill myself so I can go back to the more fun part of the game. You can't instantly kill yourself because there's nothing there to kill you. Oh. So you just have to, uh, what I've been doing is resetting, but um, what it does is it saves your file with you in that spot. So either you Uh, wait to starve to death, or you just restart the file. Wow, okay. Yeah, which is pretty egregious, if you ask me. Um, Like, I, I really like the idea of being able to play as different creatures, but if I would rather the game have been less ambitious and pull it off well, I guess. The graphics on the game are terrific. They they look like a really old school video game experience, like somewhere around the eighteen. I'm sorry, somewhere around the eight or maybe sixteen bit era, but yeah. pretty low end on sixteen bit. I've been following this game for a long time and seeing uh, Josh's Josh from Crescent Moon's post about it. Hi, Josh. Thanks for the review code. Yeah, thank um, you. Uh, and yeah, that's, it's a stunning game. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's wonderful pixel art. Yeah, it, it's, it's beautiful. Um, the environments all look terrific. Like you can tell when you're in a cave, you can tell when you're in a forest, you can tell, um, you know, the canyons and everything looks very distinct. Um, all of the animals that you meet in the environment are very, like I was never, you know, even when they're only like a couple of pixels, I'm like, it's clearly a bunny. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter how small it is, it's very easy to tell. So that's some great um, art design in the game. The sound is also really great. The, one of the things that shocked me early on, with it, early on with it is that there's actually uh, voice acting, and it's pretty good. Huh. Um, I did not expect that from you know a, a, such a retro-looking mm-hmm. game. The music is minimalistic, but it helps add to the... Uh, I guess the feeling that you're, you know, a, a prey species being hunted. So it's good sound design because um, it helps you become more immersed in the experience. Running and jumping controls pretty well, which is what I've come to expect from any game that's published by Crescent Moon. Like the that, you know, the controls are generally all right until you get to combat, which I don't understand why this choice was made. In order to attack, there's not, like, an on-screen button, there's, you know, like, like it is for jumping or moving, there's just, you, you have to swipe left or right, mm-hmm. and it's often just registered as movement. Um, uh. So, you know, you, you run around the enemy while they're, like, hitting you. And it isn't typically a huge problem, because... Even if you do take heavy damage, you have, like, a slow health regen once you're out of combat. So when you win, you can just stand there for a little bit and heal. But I got into a fight with a hunter who was shooting me while I ran around him instead of headbutting him. (laughs) That sucks. Yeah, and that's why I lost when I was the furthest I'd ever gotten in the game, which was very frustrating. I think this game started out um, on PC... I think it's been out for a little while on, like, Steam and stuff. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I mean, Crescent Moon does do a lot of mobile stuff, so I'm sure they were thinking about mobile, but I know it almost definitely started out as a, as a PC thing. So that could be a problem with the uh, uh, controls. Like it, maybe it was difficult to translate. That's the thing. Like 2-Bit Cowboy had a similar control scheme, and it was executed so much better. Like there was a button for attacking, a button for mm. jumping, and yeah. I mean it's never as good as like an actual physical gamepad. But yeah. it was always solid in that game, and the jumping and running was just as good in Deer Hunter. Like it was pretty solid. It's just that swiping is just really fucked. Yeah, uh, I have similar comments about my game later on. So. Me too, actually. Seems to be it. Seems to be a <laughs> a symptom of perhaps those of us that don't play every mobile game ever. So <laughs> we're spoiled by console experiences and PC experiences. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like if you're gonna play, if you're gonna design a game, it should have like a capable control scheme. Yeah. Overall, I think Dear God is promising, but some of the design decisions are questionable. Like, for a game that has such amazing attention to production values, like with the beautiful pixel art, um, the sound design, the voice acting being good, um, it would have been nice to see the idea of reincarnation either enacted a little bit better or held off for a future update when, um, you know, the porcupine or the snake can actually progress in the same way that the deer can. I think it's a game that's worth playing, but the six ninety nine price tag is honestly a little bit hefty for a game that has some, some bugs and some, you know, conceptual issues. Um, oh, I, I didn't mention one of the bugs that I had come across. Like, I fell into a hole and the game just didn't register that I died. Or maybe I didn't fall into a hole and the camera just didn't go down. I don't know which it is. But one of the two happened, and it didn't restart. So that didn't happen a lot. It only happened once. But uh, another um, thing I found frustrating uh, with the platforming nature um, is there are occasionally leaps of faith that you have to make that often end with you falling into an instant death spike pit. Oh. Yeah, those I've um, come to hate. I've been seeing a lot of those in Super Mario Maker. <laughs> yeah. And people in- intentionally lure you with coins. Mm-hmm. And um, that was, a, well, I mean, and that's not even like a, um, a problem like you had with the Mega Man games where the sprites were too big. It's This is literally like a level design choice, right? Yeah. 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 I like this game, and I want to recommend it, but seven bucks for um, some of these uh, weird design decisions is a little pricey. However, I like if a lot of these grievances that I have with it get addressed in like a future update, I can see myself returning to this game because it does it really does have a lot of interesting ideas and promise. And once the execution is really nailed on it, I would return to it in a heartbeat. That's the crazy thing about like mobile gaming and stuff these days is is constantly updating. Mm-hmm. Like games that I will like, I'll download, I'll play for a little bit, and then I'll delete. Like I'll like peek back in a few months later and be like, oh, this is a drastically like better experience now. Yeah, honestly, all I need to play this game again is an attack button. Emrys, yeah, you've been playing another another lovely mobile game for Android. Yes. A secret society built that place long ago. You'd see them on the hill at night, wearing cloaks, holding candles. You'd have to be a a fly on the wall to know what really happened. Yeah, I've been playing uh, Spider 2, Dark of the Bloody Supermoon. I don't think that's what it's called. <laughs> Spider, Right of the Shrouded Moon by Tiger Style. Tiger Style previously did the uh, Waking Mars game that I raved about. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm not going to be raving about Spider, unfortunately, even though I was given a review copy. <laughs> we don't have to suck their dicks, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, alright, so there's a certain, like... There's a certain interesting thing 
about reviewing a game where sometimes you're just not the person that this game was made for. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, like, I can't criticize Spider's execution. Except for a few, like, things that might honestly be my problem. The art is great. You play as a spider, and the game just starts you off. You're up on the roof of a weird building for some reason. And the tutorial is just like, crawl around, you know, tap on the air to crawl. And you crawl down the side of a building into a room. And then it's like, you can jump around, and so you jump. You know, you can jump pretty far. For whatever reason, I didn't know spiders could jump, like, all the way across your living room. It's terrifying. This is actually... We'll, we'll just touch on this. It's the first reason why this game might not be for me. is because I find bugs gross. And this game is just swarming with insects. And it, it wasn't like it gave me the heebie-jeebies, but I was like, ugh, that's so many bugs. And so you, you jump around as a spider, and then you can, like, you, like, tap on your spider and you jump. And your spider, like, shoots across the room trailing silk behind it uh and then you have to arrange the silk in the room so that it forms a web and then all the bugs that are flying through the air will get caught in your web and then you eat them which is overall a pretty satisfying gameplay experience except that the actual mechanics of how your web gets formed are not clear to me uh sometimes you need to have your web lines cross but then sometimes it seems like you don't like they just need to be nearby and uh yeah so when you're in the main part of the game you have a limited amount of silk that you can use and you get more silk by catching bugs so it, there's this cool exploration element to it where once you get into the main game, you're like exploring a living room and your character is just a spider. So you're like the only motivation that you have in the game is to eat all the bugs and just eat as many bugs as you can. But as the player playing the game, you get to like observe these cool environments that are like really big. And, like, full of furniture and, like, pictures on the walls and, like, interesting details. And there's some, like, interactive elements, too, that are neat. Uh, overall, like I was saying, the art is really cool. Your spider is very spiderific and, like, all the bugs. Some of the <laughs> big butterflies are really beautiful and they flap around, you know. Uh, and all the environments are really deep looking. They're, like, covered in, in tchotchkes that you crawl around on and, like, picture frames and and there's like a element where you're like you're like crawling past a picture frame and you can see the names of the people on that are in the picture and like there was one big painting where it was like a woman who was pregnant and then like another woman standing behind that woman and then off to the side there was a dude who was frowning and like looked unhappy and then all their names were written on the painting so you could see that there were characters and, like, story elements that were going on in the background of this, like, manner that you're haunting as a spider. But none of it was, none of it was, like, presented to you in, like, a voiceover or, like, a storybook thing. You have to kind of, like, observe it and piece it together yourself. And then you'll be, like, exploring another room, and you'll find, like, candy wrappers all over the floor. So you might, like, go, like, oh, somebody was eating candy here, and then you just eat a bunch of bugs. What kept me going through this game was this sense of exploration and, like, trying to figure out what the story is. That's most of what I've been hearing about the game. Yeah. Eventually, you're presented with a mystery. It, happen it happens after you find your first clue. Uh, it's like, the first mystery is this, and you found a clue, and it's like a little... I'm going to spoil the whole first mystery. It's a little scrap of musical notes. You're, like, exploring a room, and there's an organ, and then on the organ, there's a little scrap of musical notes. And then later on, you find a music box, and that's the second clue. 
and the music box like plays a tune. And then the third clue is you get inside an organ, and in the organ there are buttons that you can jump on as the spider, and it will play a note. And then you jump on the buttons, and it sounds like an organ, and it's really cool. And I could see that this would be a really cool thing to solve if I weren't completely tone deaf. <laughs> like, I'm tone deaf to the point where I couldn't... There's a mystery in Mist, the original Mist game, where you have to arrange these sliders to make musical notes. And I couldn't solve it by any means necessary because I'm so tone deaf that we had to get the church organist to come and solve that puzzle in Mist for me. Like, I knew exactly <laughs> what needed to be done, but I couldn't... I can't hear... So, like, I literally am unable to solve the very first mystery just because I I can't understand music. This is so fascinating. It's weird. If you're a musician and I describe what I'm what happens when I it, people are like, you mean you, you don't like see the notes? I'm like, no, I don't see any notes. Wow. They're a total mystery to me. Yeah. Do you like music in general? Yeah. Let's talk about it. Uh. Music is very strange. I love music. I like music where I can understand the lyrics. Okay. And I like I like rhythm and like a beat. But like classical music, total mystery to me. Totally. Wow. And like like I like there was there was at the, one of the open mics, there was this band called Rot Gut. <laughs> <laughs> they would just like hammer on instruments. They like never uh, rehearsed and like I loved those guys. They scream, <laughs> yeah. And so I was listening to them, and I was like, you know what? To a certain degree, I experience all musicians exactly this way. <laughs> One of the things that was entertaining about them is that they completely like changed their personas when they went on stage to the extent where like I'm bad at facial recognition, so I talked to their lead singer for like thirty minutes. Did not know it was him. This is after I'd seen him at the open mic like five times. Yeah. So, like, a guitarist who is not trying sounds a lot, well, to me, sounds a lot like a guitarist who is really good. Like, I just, I just can't make those distinctions. Like, my mom was tone deaf, and she never admitted it. I could just tell by the way she sang. But I, I've never heard of it to this degree. Yeah. Okay, back to Spider. I I'm stuck. Like I could I could go online and like look at how to read music.com and like look at the scrap of paper with the notes on it and I'd be like, "Okay, A D G whatever." And then I could go back to the game and jump on those things as a spider and probably solve the mystery, but I don't want to. And this is where me and the game have to part ways. Because it has, it has great art, it has great music, it has great environments. The gameplay seems solid to me, and I fucking hate it. <laughs> like, I hated this game. It was, it was torment for me to try to play it. Because the first problem I have with it is the controls. And the controls, I don't know if it's like my hand, fingers, or what. But, like, I would tap to move, and I would crouch and start a thread, or I would I would try to jump, and then I would jump with a thread, and the thread would attach to something that I didn't want to. So I would be lose a thread, and then I would try to move, and I would go around. the. I would go too far, and I'd try to move back, and then I would jump. And, like, oh, I was just, like... It was very frustrating, and it's really hard to like aim precisely where your spider is going to jump to, and in some areas, like you'll jump literally into outer space and you'll just fall forever, and then restart. Like he'll just be like, "You jumped too wrong. You jumped bad." And then like the 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 webs. If you spin a web in a place where bugs were, the bugs will like avoid your web. You have to kind of trap them, and so if your timing is just wrong, then you'll spin a web in the middle of the air, 
and you won't catch any bugs. And the bugs, like, kind of just fly around. I was a little disappointed. Like, the bugs don't seem to have personality, you know? Like, when you have mayflies, right, they, like, swarm around light sources, you know? But there were, uh, there were, like, electric lights and stuff, and the bugs did not, like, they were not attracted to the lights. They just kind of flew around. So I wasn't really, like, enamored with the whole catching bugs routine, which you have to do in order to progress to the next area. You have to catch a certain number of bugs, and then a portal opens, and you can go to the next area and find more clues. And then the whole system, there's a whole high score system where you're supposed to spin a web and catch the bugs. And then you get on the web, and you eat all the bugs at once without leaving your web to get a multiplier. So I was seeing people in the high score list with, multiply, with like scores of like 50,000. And my score was like 7,000. I wasn't even like catching all the bugs in the area because I was just like not enjoying it. Uh, and so like, so I would just like eat enough bugs to open the next room and I go to the next room. And I was like, I can really see somebody who would be like, yeah, I want to get a high score in every zone. I want to catch all the bugs. That is not something that I'm interested in. Like, I don't care about high scores. Like, I'm not a leaderboards kind of guy. So then it just becomes like, all right, how can I just get the bugs? And then I'd have to do the controls, you know? And I'd spin a web. You get, like, you can unlock uh, achievements for spinning, like, an eight-sided web. And I would be, like, three sides. That's good enough. We'll get We'll get a... A couple bugs. Am I wrong to say that it sounds like you can kind of play the game on your own terms? Like, you can play the game for a high score, if that's your style. You can play yeah. the game like you're saying, where it's just like, I just want to catch bugs, get to the next level. Or you can play the game for, like, I want to experience the narrative. Yeah, yeah. Well, well definitely, like, if, you're, if you want to, like, take notes on the paintings and stuff that you find on the walls and, like connect the rooms to the various characters like that would be cool but i found the actual process of playing the game so frustrating that i had no desire to do that and like one of the things that i really liked about waking mars that was not present in this game at all was the like the voice acting and like the, the character development that you got but there's no characters in spider that you play or interact with there's just a spider which is a spider the spider likes to eat bugs and then there's everybody in the background who like lives in this house where you coexist so if you if you can like for me the controls were just the worst part like i just could not get the spider to spin the webs in the right way if you can get that down the game's probably really enjoyable <laughs> i felt just like kind of alone it was a little lonely and then I didn't really, like, have anything to connect with. The game mechanics didn't grab me. And so, yeah, I felt bad about not liking it because there's a lot of quality here. And there was one part that I really enjoyed. If you get to a certain level, there are hornets. And you can just tack tackle the motherfucking hornets right out of the air. You don't have to spin a web. <laughs> and I enjoyed that. I found a hornet's nest. And I would just wreck all the hornets out of the air with my jump That's so badass. i liked that part and then there were ants in another section you could just run over the ants but tackling the hornets that was pretty cool so overall i give this game one i give it one big web filled with bugs okay. are they writhing in agony or are they no they're in my hair huh. <laughs> oh oh dear it's your turn mark what's your game this week it is my turn said it's 2015 
what's everybody fucking going crazy about right now, and that's Star Wars. Yeah. So I downloaded the latest Star Wars mobile game out of the 27 that have come out in the past year or two, and that is Star Wars Uprising. Um, I am playing the iOS version. I assume there are other versions. Um, this was developed by Kabam! And it is out now, and it is free on your iPad or iPhone. Oh, yeah. And Star Wars... Uh, uh, Star Wars Uprising is a game where you play as a smuggler in a post-Return of the Jedi world, and it's advertised as a story that bridges the gap between episodes 6 and 7. I feel like I've heard that about a few things, comics and books and stuff like that. Um, so there is a underlying narrative that ties into like events, uh, definitely post episode six. Um, it definitely doesn't mention anything about episode seven, I guess, because episode seven hasn't happened yet. But the gist is that, um, the empire still exists and it is trying to suppress the news that the emperor has been killed. So to keep up the empire's like, um, strength, whatever you want to say. Yeah, Luke really should have had a camera phone when he killed Emperor Palpatine. I know, I know, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't care. They had technology to make uh, laser swords. <laughs> they can go at light speed. They need to pull the, the dash cam from Vader's helmet. Oh, that was, right. yeah, fucking Luke burned that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, they're covering up the evidence, I think. Now the Empire's just spreading propaganda that everything is everything is going just fine. We swear he's still alive. Yeah. Why is all the news footage archival footage? It's really weird. <laughs> they have like a massive uh, galactic media campaign. It's Emperor Palpatine giving the thumbs up. <laughs> grinning with his awful teeth. Oh, his teeth are the worst. <laughs> I mean, after everything else about his face and body. but Right, his, his uh, yeah. It, <laughs> it, it just, it matches. So Star Wars Uprising is an action RPG. It's, you know, similar to Diablo. You've played this game with another skin 4,000 times on your iPhone or iPad, I'm sure, or most other platforms as well. But, um, you know, you start the game and you can select your class and your race. Well, actually, I don't remember if there were classes. I think there's, like, different abilities and stuff like that. But um, Can you be a Trandoshan? I forget what that is. That's Bosk. No, but there are plenty of those in the game. But one of the main characters is one. But you, I don't know if you can play as one. Okay, you can play as a human. You can play as a uh, 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 Ula. Twi'lek. What are they called? Twi'lek. Um, and you can play as a Darth Maul. I don't know what the fuck they're called because that's not classic trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a fourth race that is um, shit. I am extremely well prepared for this review. I don't know. Make it up for yourself. It's a fist fucking midget. Um, so there, you in this game, you 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 travel to different planets, which basically you just tap on a planet and say, "I want to go here." And sometimes it lets you, and sometimes it doesn't because you haven't gotten that far in the game. Um, and then so you go to you talk to people. Is that what it says? Like, you haven't gotten that far in the game. <laughs> no, but it's just like I want to go to Hoth. I know Hoth. I don't know all these other planets. There's like five other planets I can go to. I know Hoth. Let's go to Hoth. No, it just doesn't do anything if you tap it. I'm tapping on the table right now. You hear that? That's a, basically the same re reaction you get from the game. Mm. Um, so you'll talk to people in cantinas or other like seedy environments because you're a smuggler and that's where they hang out. And, you know, they'll just, they'll just go on and on and on about stuff that you don't really care about. And eventually, after tapping 100 times, you'll get to go on a mission. And the missions are pretty short, I found, and some of them have bosses, and that's kind of cool, but um, mostly it's just waves of enemies that you have to fight throughout the level to get, like, bunches of loot. And occasionally you can shoot, like, a vase or something and get more loot, but it's very basic. And there are selectable difficulties for each mission, which is I kind of like. It's like, okay, risk-reward kind of thing where you can be like, okay, this is my level, and it says this is a required level. I can play this now, even though it says you might die, but if you actually do beat it, being underleveled, like, the reward is really good. So that's kind of cool. But um, the actual, like, levels, you're just like, okay, tap a spot, and you will walk there, tap an enemy, and you will engage it. And then there are certain gestures for, like, special abilities, like your 
your your uh, area of effect attacks. Your your I don't know. You have a shotgun, and there's a certain gesture for your shotgun, or there's a certain gesture for like this like pulse wave that you uh, can let out that like makes all the bad guys kind of like back away from you for a sec. And there's a lot of a lot of the loot, you know, is like weapons and armor you can use to customize your characters, and that's that's possibly my favorite thing about the game. You know, there's a lot of like um, sets that are just fan service. There's your your Han Solo set, so you can make your character look like Han Solo or a stormtrooper or um, um, weak way, you know, like a skiff guard from Return of the Jedi or something. <laughs> and that's really cool. Every every there you get so much um, armor and stuff and weapons and every every single item you can use to change your appearance or or you know the different weapons work sort of differently like most blasters work the same but there are also like you know katanas and stuff like that and the same character can switch between the two so that's cool i I appreciate that the game does have some light like mmo aspects and i'm not an mmo player so maybe i'm speaking a little bit but there's um you can join like a cartel which is basically the um uh, star wars smuggler lingo for guild and you can use that to do co-op in the game you can do like live co-op with other players in your guild um there are also like leaderboards and stuff where you can be like oh this this cartel or this faction or whatever the heck it is it's like ahead right now so they have control over this region whatever i don't know the medic region none of it really cares well tell me about your dick region right now kevin well it's um (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea i just i just went blank much like what it is firing right now oh well i would hope so because you're talking to two of your friends The thing that's weird about cartels is um, getting away from penis talk that didn't really pan out um, (laughs) is you have to apply (laughs) to a cartel, which was super intimidating to me. Like, I'm like, okay, here's this, here's this cartel, or I'll just say guild. Here's this guild that's like really highly ranked. Like, here's a button that says apply, but like, am I good enough? (laughs) It's a stupid free Star Wars game, but I got all, I got all self-conscious. Like, you know, I'm probably not good enough to play with these guys. I had a job interview for my wow guild. (laughs) No, like I had to get on Skype and not Skype. uh, I had to get on Ventrilo and sit down with like the leaders of the guild and have a job interview with them to get in. And this is the guild that you were in. That was like a family from New Zealand. Uh, Washington, but close. What? I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I can see where you would, ma- where you would make Closer to New them. Zealand than you currently are. So anyway, there's also like a live chat window that's constantly scrolling where people are always trying to figure out how to bypass the sensors. That's that's the gist of the live chat on there. Wow, um, that sounds really obnoxious. Seems pretty standard. A lot of a lot of starred words because they don't know how to get past them. Um, you can, you can like unlock companions in the game, which is, um, a a feature, but it doesn't really matter. Who cares? Um, but you can send them on runs and they can gather loot for you. And it's like, okay, well, you found me a helmet that I can't use, but that's cool. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. That's the gist of the game right there. But, um, you know, it looks okay. It looks like a, it looks like a, like a HD PS2 game. We'll put it that way. And uh, it sounds really good. It sounds awesome. I mean, it's it's just all Star Wars music, Star Wars sound effects, a little bit of voice acting. The voice acting is more like a um, if you've ever played a Legend of Zelda game, like a modern Legend of Zelda game, where they're just like, and they'll just like make a noise, or they might say like a word or two. Yeah. That's about all you get out of this. Um, controls, you know, like I said, it's a lot of just tapping to walk, tapping to fire, whatever, but... I had a couple issues. A lot of the inputs, specifically for the um, special attacks, I just could not get the register all the time. And when you're being swarmed by enemies, and you're like, okay, I'm supposed to double tap on my character to perform this move, and your character um, walks <laughs> like a centimeter to the left, and you're like, no, that's not yep. what I wanted you to do, and now I'm dead. Or it's um, there's one where you have to like, this is the one that always messed up for me. You have to tap where your character is and then slide your finger just a little bit. And it does this like spread shot attack. 
And 50% of the time, when I would slide my finger, the character would just walk to where I slid my finger to. Right. Super annoying. So this is this is going... <laughs> all three games this episode have had this kind of issue. And I don't think in this case it is anything to do with me being a mediocre uh, mobile game player. I think it's, it's just... Uh, not great design. Is there such a thing as a skilled mobile game player, though? I think so. I think I think there are far more qualified people to to be hosts of this podcast than we are, but that's fine. Because I, I mean, you see the people that can the people that are at the top of the leaderboards in these games. Who the hell are these people? I don't know who these people are, but they're they have millions of points while I have dozens. I mean, maybe they're spending money to get there. I don't know. Yeah, didn't but. they didn't they pay for points with in game transactions? <laughs> Possibly there are some in Star Wars Uprising, but I don't quite get how the monetary system works. And there is seems to be a crafting system. I don't know. You always get these like random pieces of stuff, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. It just like builds up, and I, uh, I don't know. You know, and it, it does have the typical mobile game like you're just constantly tapping, like. You log in for the day. And, oh, by the way, you always have to be online to play this game. So oh, don't, do not play this game on data if you have a limited data plan. Like, this is an on, always online game. Um, but it's uh, the, the mobile trapping of you're just, like, tapping, tapping, tapping. Like, you log in for the day, and you're just like, okay, you have a reward. And you have to tap through, like, four screens to just redeem that reward when it should just be, like, a one checkbox. You're like, okay, I got it. I'm cool. I feel like these games should, like, like create some... There should be some, like... Feel free to steal this, mobile gaming world, but there should be some <laughs> sort of, like, renewable energy source that's generated from all these people just constantly tapping on these phone screens. Like, it should right? be going somewhere and creating some... It's, it's like pedaling the bicycle to make the light bulb light up. Like, that kind of thought. Like, do something about it. It should at least help charge your phone. That would be lovely. Yeah, some of these games really do drain your battery super fast. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. This isn't a bad game. You know, some control issues. That's my major thing. Um, if it was released, like, 10, 12 years ago on, like, PlayStation 2, it'd be pretty cool. It'd be, like, the, one of those games, like, um, like I don't know, even, like, Lego Star Wars. Like, that kind of game where it's, like, it's not an amazing game by today's standards, but it could, like, given its time frame and, like, you know, your maybe your memories of it or whatever, could it, like, you'd be like, oh, that's a pretty good game. This is where that game would be if it was released at that point, at that time, on that system. But as it as it stands currently on a modern gaming platform, like it's it's pretty forgettable. Um, it's 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 just a very repetitive experience, and there's not a lot of reward. Like, okay, I can get, I get to dress up like a stormtrooper if I can ever get to the planet I need to get to and um, get through whatever. Because the game only lets you level up a certain amount a day, which is kind of BS. Like. You can play as much as you want, but I think at a certain point you start you stop earning XP for the day, and it's mm. kind of dumb. And that's probably where my probably where microtransactions come in, but um, I don't really know. I didn't I didn't pay enough attention to be honest. Um, and if you really want to dress up as a stormtrooper, join the five hundred first. Yeah, great people. They do a lot of good things actually. The story is bland. I mean, it's just shoehorned stuff from the bridging the gap between episode six and seven, you are so far removed from everything important going on in the galaxy that it really doesn't matter. Um, yeah. I have to say the star Wars license does make this game more enjoyable for me, enjoyable for me. Like I think with another skin, another coat of paint, this, this game would be lost in this endless sea of, um, Diablo esque games <laughs> on the mobile <laughs> platform. So if you really like Star Wars, I can see you downloading it. I mean, there's really no no risk to it. It's a free game. You download it and play it. It plays on it'll play on your older phone. I just upgraded to the um 6S that came out a couple of days ago and I I have to say I didn't really notice any big improvement over my phone that was like two generations older. So it plays pretty well on older phones. So I don't know. I, it's fun for Star Wars people, but like, if you're not into Star Wars, like, I, 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 I can see this coming across as just like a super. I've already played this before. It's very mediocre kind of game. Even like, even so, like, the, 
I don't understand how they get away with advertising it as like pertaining to the story, like preparing for the build up to episode seven. Like J.J. Abrams is going to reference anything in episode <laughs> seven. It's like, oh, and then this thing that happened in this right. iOS game that was a terrible Diablo clone. Well, it, it just has to say that enough for people to click on and download it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if it's just like, well, uh, after episode four, you know, or like after episode six, and then it doesn't really have anything, like, you still got people to download it, so. Yeah. I have to wonder, like, um, I don't know a lot about this this um, style of game. Like, do they make money off of people like me? Like, I don't do any in-app transactions. Um, there are no ads, so they're not getting ad revenue from me. Like, are they so, making money from me? Because these games make a buttload of money. It's similar to, like, the um, Fallout Shelter game, where you just have it as a tie-in, and it's basically working as an advertisement for the movie. It is. And so even if... Because, like, I've read that the microtransaction games, they make like the majority of their income from one percent of the players so if you just have a few people and then some of them pay for time or whatever boosts lunch boxes what have you then you've you've Mm -hmm. basically you've basically done your job because people are downloading it they're reading star wars they're having star wars notifications come up on their phone and they're going, yeah, Star Wars, which is all a game like that has to do. Yeah. Well, Mark, do you think that they're they're taking a risk by trying to appeal to like a, the limited niche market that is Star Wars fandom? You think there's enough? <laughs> you think there's enough people there's... to support that kind of endeavor? You know, I don't think Star Wars is well known enough to support it. Right? No. Yeah. We should probably start um, a charity. For the children of these developers who are, yeah, right, you know, who've who foolishly thrown their lot in with Star Wars, right, at the very least to help support this indie film coming out at the end of the year, they're probably going to have to do a Kickstarter, you know, if they want to make a sequel, right. Well, kabam, you made an okay game, but uh, I already deleted it from my phone. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have I have two games that I will never delete from my phone, and those games are an Army of Darkness tower defense game, uh, because it's just it's well it's it's just Evil Dead. How many Evil Dead sure. Evil Dead iPhone games are there? And then yeah. the other one is OG, OG Pac Man, which controls a little weird on an iPhone, but it's it's the original Pac Man. So I'm, I gotta I gotta keep it. Cool. That's it. The rest of you in this two and a half years of this podcast have failed to impress me enough for me to keep your game on my phone. I still have Hearthstone. <laughs> you still have Hearthstone? Okay, fine. I, I've, I constantly think about reinstalling Hearthstone. <laughs> but I'm just so scared. I'm so scared of all of you. You'll, you'll <laughs> because drop that's a the thing I never got into. I never got into playing against live people. I, I did like a bunch of the required missions or whatever you're going to call it in the game and then I was like, eh, I'm good. I'll tell you what like, there's a rush you get from beating another person in Hearthstone that's really mm-hmm. only rivaled by cocaine and stand-up comedy, in my experience. <laughs> I've, well, I've never experienced cocaine, but like, that's the kind of rush you get from defeating someone and the the low you get from being defeated is equally dramatic. It, it, it taps right in to like the cortisol centers of your your limbic system. It's not really a game. It's more of an implant. <laughs> I can back all of this up. <laughs> <laughs> when you have your wacky strategy and you're like, I don't think this is going to be good, and then you just crush someone with it, feels amazing. Feels amazing. The game that was my second choice for review this episode, I can't remember the name, but it was basically hearthstone for kids and i was like oh it's got a cute art style and i'll probably be way better at it than i was at the real hearthstone yeah i mean there's something fun about beating up on five-year-olds online i guess (laughs) yeah yeah i am still playing uh triple triad though 
that would be the third i guess that would be the third game that i've never deleted off my phone which is the final fantasy portal apps game yeah yeah, oh, yeah. triple triad hell yeah what disney infinity's on iphone i'm sure that it's a really good version of it well i'm looking at a picture right now and it is <laughs> it's star wars related and there's a obi-wan and luke in a land speeder but it's 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 episode four luke but then it's episode three obi-wan so it's it's really kind of making me angry right now yeah it makes me mad that episode three obi-wan exists too no obi-wan is the most the best thing about the prequels agreed but that doesn't mean it was good I feel like we're done with the episode now, and we're just having real talk about what we're doing with our lives. (laughs) We never did come to a definitive decision about if any of us are letting their flag fly half-mast. Well, mine certainly isn't (laughs) half-mast. Gross. But then again, it's never (laughs) half-mast. That's difficult to conceal sometimes. Okay. Um, I'm super tired. I have to stop recording now. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We had an episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go over to portablepower.popularoutcast.com. Clear your cookies or use incognito mode. Do the shopping that you'd normally do. We'll get a small cut of whatever it is you spend at no additional cost to you. Help us get noticed. Go over to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to the Portable Power Podcast. Get in touch with us. Maybe you'd like to send us a game review request or your own answer to our question of the week. You can email us at portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com or use Facebook, facebook.com slash portablepowerpodcast. Or get in touch with us on Twitter at portablepowerfm. Drink responsibly and listen to the next episode of the Portable Power Podcast so you can witness what happens when people don't. Speaking of developers, I found the developer for McPixel in Mario Maker. Oh, so cool. I'm now following his creations. He's, oh, a, cool. he's a, a psychopath. So <laughs> His profile picture on Twitter is horrifying. <laughs> and it's just his normal face. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. Sounds about... Sounds like the man. It's like, oh, that's like... That's like uh, Ronald McDonald without, without makeup and... <laughs> hiding in it, like peering out of an ice cream van window.